The medical information communicated in this podcast is of a general educational nature. If you are feeling unwell, please seek the attention of a medical practitioner. Any advertisements promoted throughout the podcast are not endorsed by the presenter or any of the guests interviewed. Hi there, welcome to MediTalk, a medical podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You're with Danae. We all know that exercise is good for us, so how do you exercise when you suffer from a chronic health condition? To help us manage this dilemma, we are going to speak with Craig Cheatham, an accredited exercise physiologist and director of Healthcare WA. Thanks for joining us today, Craig. Today we've got the Director of Healthcare WA, Exercise Physiologist, Craig Cheatham. Thanks, Craig, for joining us. Pleasure. And we're going to talk about when you suffer asthma or conditions, chronic conditions where shortness of breath is something that you have to manage on a day-to-day basis. How do you exercise and suffer from a condition like asthma? Exercise is an important part of all elements of health and uh, is, is commonly overlooked and uh, there's many considerations thinking that we only exercise to gain weight or, or to lose weight or to um, get fit. Yeah. However, exercise is a key part of all many most guidelines for most chronic diseases. Shortness of breath features across many health conditions and mm. is a abnormality in some people's eyes. However, we have to remember that shortness of breath is a normal response to activities and can be normal. That's true. So when we see people with a documented or diagnosed, particularly lung or heart disease, then the shortness of breath that can be sustained can be quite debilitating. And we often see a, a vicious circle whereby their shortness of breath limits their activities and that results in inability to fatigue or challenge the muscles. The muscles then become less and less conditioned, Mm. which then means they get more shorter breath and then they enter this vicious cycle. So exercising individuals with, you know, significant shorter breath, shortness of breath needs to be thought through in terms of their clinical characteristics. Number one. Yes consideration of how we try and improve that. So to improve shortness of breath, we have to think about, I guess one of the, one of the better terms is fitness. Fitness is really how efficient the muscles will utilize oxygen. Mm. So like a car where we try and gain efficiency in fuel consumption, the muscles are identical. Yeah. So the way we do this is actually to challenge the muscle to promote the body to in, you know, invest in Um, some form of efficiency at a muscular level. Interestingly, with prolonged exercise, not huge changes occur at the level of the heart and lungs, and a lot is done by the muscles. I say this quite deliberately because a lot of people get deterred if they've got existing heart or lung problems, thinking that they are not going to be able to improve their shortness of breath or improve their fitness or functionality because they've already got some kind of deficit in the heart or lungs. So I deliberately made that point, emphasising the muscles as a key player in this because it is easily adapted. Mm. And for those who do suffer shortness of breath, I guess there are strategies and techniques that we would use to try and ensure that we can fatigue or challenge the muscle to ensure that stimulus 
is achieved at a muscular end and not just limited by shortness of breath. So little things like changing the, the type of exercise and then and by reducing the volume of muscle being used, yeah. they'll get more sh uh, less shortness of breath. Isolating muscles will ensure that the, the muscles get fatigued quicker. Using activities that might support the body weight, like a bike, so we don't have gravity bearing down on the, the full body weight, mm. people will tolerate those exercises more. Some exercises, such as some of the upper body exercises, will generate more shortness of breath. So, you know, mm. sometimes avoiding them will, will uh, mean that they exercise with a great deal more comfort. And I suppose, um, I mean, I'm just thinking there's so many athletes who had asthma as a child Absolutely. and they their parents said oh we'll get you in the pool and now yeah. they're olympic swimmers so i suppose Absolutely. um so if you get diagnosed with something like a condition like asthma either as a child or as an adult um what's is it important that they that they make exercise a part of their life? Absolutely. So there are some key, um, you know, world-class athletes that have really taken upon themselves to showcase that asthma does not limit things. Uh, yes. Probably one of the best known is David Beckham, who has an outstanding, you know, reputation know in, uh, in the sporting world yeah. and, um, and maintains, you know, such a high stature in his, uh, you know, sport of soccer or football. And he had asthma. As a, is yeah. that right? So he had juvenile asthma. And he, um, you know, demonstrated, and I guess the, the, it does come down to appropriate management, recognising triggers, um, consistency of management and you know exercise does become an important part um, yeah. every time there's you know asthma can generate shortness of breath and that's yes. well understood the moment that someone's less conditioned um, going back to my analogy of you know utilizing fuel in a car um, the moment there's less efficiency if you give it greater demands such as going up a hill yeah it's going to use significantly more fuel so when someone's exercising if someone exercises regularly and they are an asthmatic mm. their shortness of breath will be significantly less even though their asthma has not changed if they're exercising regularly so what benefits would a patient have out of exercise if they are an asthmatic so they come and see you as an exercise physiologist mm -hmm. What is it that helps them and their asthma by exercise? So I guess there's a, a few elements to that. It's the physiology of, of the body, you know, and how particularly the lungs um, are working. We know that particularly when people get shorter breath, you know, we demand the body to breathe deeper. Mm. Um, and there we have a series of muscles that connect to the ribcage to pull the ribcage yeah. up, and they need training too. So right. we know that... Um, Improving those muscles that aid res respiration and um, and they're the, the muscles in between the ribs um, and and all around yeah, the ribs. there's some up, up yeah. uh, higher on the on the thoracic cage, but not yeah. just the ones around the ribs. But there's a series of others, particularly those involved with exercise and deeper breathing. There's a, a network of them that really played a strong role in really you know pulling up the rib cage, yeah. ensuring that the the depth of breathing um, is maintained. Yeah, and that's where efficiencies are, are generated in during exercise. So so it's all the muscles we can't see that we take for granted that need exercise. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And, you know, we, we are very good and astute at, you know, 
um, thinking about the legs fetiguing as we walk upstairs. Yeah. And, um, or making our, uh, guns, bias, our yeah, guns big, yeah, you know. Exactly. But I suppose with chronic disease like asthma, <laughs> you have to think more than that. You have to think about the muscles inside your body that Absolutely. need that conditioning to make you stronger to deal with or have a better quality of yeah. life. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, asthma is, you know, I guess a, a strong point in this is a lot of fear associated with exercising with yes. asthma and some people, you know, who have had an asthma attack, they will, you know, quickly define their experiences of extremely scary and yeah. um, and fearful of a, a such a, another sort of event. Yes. Now, in a young child having asthma, um, if they set the scene of not having exercise as a frequent part of their day-to-day living, um, that's very different to, I guess, the current trends that we see with associated with chronic diseases like heart disease and you know, lung disease and diabetes, where physical activity in adults tends to drop off you know, in the 30s and mm. 40s, and we see this gradual rise of chronic diseases across the board and general health across the board. Um, when we decline our activity levels in our 30s and 40s. You know, mm. Young children, you know, not even teenagers developing asthma, are starting that at a very much early age and we have to think about the general benefits of exercise on those individuals as well and their ability to, you know, I guess, you know, stave off things like diabetes and, you know, avoid increases in body weight and, yeah. you know, a bunch of other chronic diseases. So what are the benefits? Other, and I think we live in a society where we just see the benefits of exercise being to lose weight, as you say, to get fit. Surely aesthetic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, I suppose, when you're younger, mm-hmm. why you're more motivated to exercise. Absolutely. But what are the other benefits of being um, having exercise in our life, a part of our everyday life as we get older? Oh, look, you know, we could go on for days, but cardiovascular health exercise is uh, a very strong player. Every guideline across every cardiac condition um, clearly emphasises that exercise should be a, a, an an important part of um, management, much like some of the key medications are. Yeah. Respiratory disease is much the same. So does it mean less rehospitalizations? I mean, what's the research yeah. around that? You know, there's all the elements um, being less prone to, you know, significant, you know, I guess, health-concerning events. Yeah. Hospitalizations, improved quality of life um, yeah. is a big part of that. Um, quality of life and its influence on other health-related problems yeah. um, because there's often a spin-off from this. Yeah. Um, but it also goes to things like osteoporosis, yeah. reducing cancer risk, um, and the list goes on and on. Yes. So, so really, you know, exercise is without showing my clear bias, but exercise is kind of the one-stop shop for general health and, yeah. and hence why it is so strongly recommended. Yes. The challenge being, however is actually doing, doing it, it. Um, we see that a lot of people are faced with barriers that stop them. Yes. Um, and there are maybe orthopedic, you know, joint and muscle problems. Other times it may be, as we say, respiratory. Other times it might be... And they could have had their hip or their knee replaced. And absolutely. Their knee, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But there's also things with chronic disease around, you know, fear. Am I doing too much, too little? Am I wasting my time? What yeah. benefits should I get from, you know, do I expect to get from this? Am I um, achieving those same benefits through other ways? Like yeah. medications achieving the same things? So... Um, everyone in those discussions is different based on the person's clinical history, 
medications and so on. But regardless of that, and, you know, again, the, the clinical guidelines clearly shows based on, you know, large bodies of research that even on individuals on best medical management being either interventions and or medications, exercising on top of that, always bet the cheese of around yeah. And in terms of, I mean, from what I'm hearing, if I suffered from a condition like asthma, heart failure, AF, a heart condition, it, it really, I think, is worth going and seeing an exercise physiologist. Mm. I mean, your company has exercise physiologist but it's all encompassing people that really know what they're talking about not only of the medical condition Mm. but how to actually condition the body properly because otherwise i think what happens is people set themselves up to fail you know they go to the gym or their doctor they go and see the cardiologist or a specialist that says you need to go and exercise so they go okay or join at the local gym they go and Mm. participate they haven't exercised for a long time they go and get the free personal mm. training session that's offered to them mm. and do some weights and things and it, it, it just they don't have a, a positive experience. They don't know that, you know, that, that their medications could affect how they're actually working in the gym, yeah. how their body's making them feel after exercise and mm. I think that's the benefit of yeah. seeing an exercise physiologist. Absolutely. What's your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, with... I guess with all the, I guess the chronic conditions that you describe, all the cardiac, lung, diabetes, everyone's different. The, yeah. There's no rule book that you give certain things to certain, you know, groups. Everything ideally should be, you know, uh, individualised. And with that, as you're identifying, um, that the key feature for exercise. For many people believe that it's fitness that we should be trying to achieve. Yes. Actually, the evidence doesn't show that. The most dominant feature that achieves health benefits across chronic disease is actually the regularity of exercise. Right. So when considering exercise and the type of exercise, the intensity, the you know, how vigorous, etc., the objective should always be considering fostering the exercise that can be maintained in the long term. Over time. Yep. So, you, you know, you gave an example of, you know, a very uh, somewhat over-boisterous uh, initial personal training session perhaps yeah. where they end up with a lot of muscle soreness, possibly, you know, might have yeah. aggravated a, a pre-existing injury. Um, they are deterrents to long-term exercise yeah. um, and it probably re- in those individuals reinforces that, that, that they shouldn't exercise. They shouldn't exercise yeah. and exercise is not And exercise is bad. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And many things in our life at the moment, there's a negative connotation. We repel it. Um, and also a, shortness of breath. Then you think, well, what's my body's... I suppose I'm being very uh, how a person would say, oh, short, I'm shortness of breath. Oh, I'm either unfit or I shouldn't be doing this. My bo- it's my body's way of saying yeah. I shouldn't exercise when, in fact, it's yeah. the opposite. Absolutely. You should be exercising. A- absolutely right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, some people see it is abnormal and they think they're going to put themselves at greater risk and that's not necessarily the case. Yes. Um, and that's where having guidance from... A professional. Individuals yeah. with clinical knowledge um, and that would include being able to interpret your individual results um, because without those results, I must admit, I can never prescribe exercise. If I saw someone on the street that's just had bypass surgery or a stent or heart failure or, you know, a certain type of lung, you know, problem, 
if they say, what can I do? I, I jokingly say, I, I tell them I haven't got a clue what I should do with them. Yeah. Um, in reality, I'd probably have a bit of an inkling, but I wouldn't be able to say with 100% confidence yeah. because I don't have all the reports in front of me. So yes. um, that guidance of exercise should be driven by the clinical records as well. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a great believer in that, a, you know, a somewhat, I guess, a better term to use is the partnership with their rest of their medical teams becomes actually... You know, quite important because particularly an exercise physiologist role who may see these individuals quite regularly can play a very favourable sort of role yeah. in being the eyes and the ears for their medical team because we will see individuals on good days and bad days and cool days and humid days and you know days yeah. of um, you know maybe not consumed as much fluid and all those kind of things and those are the valuable observations and measures that we can take around certain elements that is valuable information back to the, the, the doctors to enable them to, to optimise their medical management. So a local GP who is what you're describing, mm. so patients might have a lot of interactions with their GP due to yep. their chronic health condition that they're trying to manage. Can can that be an avenue for patients um, going and talking about a care plan and and incorporating an exercise physiologist that can understand their chronic disease, understand their illness, understand the medications they're on, and really tailor an exercise program that will help them navigate their way through their disease Absolutely. and managing it, whether it's cancer, whether it's heart failure, whether it's asthma yeah. um so that is that something yeah. that is available to patients in australia absolutely so um through gps there are some medicare items that are initiatives from in the the general practice setting and um in, out in the community where gps who are seeing patients with chronic diseases that have you know sort of multiple interventions yeah can in, um, can specifically plan outcomes and, and objectives for individuals and engage health professionals into that care. You know, and is and the exercise physiologist like yourself a part of that? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So um, we would get referred, you know, um, uh, an individual and accompanying that would be, you know, some, you know, a summary of their clinical history. You know, we would then go retrieve the full documentation around that. But the GP as part of these care plans and the Medicare requirements to enable some rebates yeah. to, to enable people to um, get some structured advice is... Um, but also appropriate medical care because you don't... You want patients to be able... Or you want people to feel that their exercise is going to help their health, not hinder, hinder. it, but also mm. that they are going to... Um, participate in exercise in a safe way absolutely um, mm. because you don't want their, their their safety to be compromised either absolutely. or to do further damage or injury to themselves in the absolutely. process you know um, and it is uh, somewhat of an art form to juggle all those elements from from yeah. that to overcoming you know, navigating around orthopedic limitations some people may have not exercised many years and be a little bit more deconditioned or had a yeah. long health school phase. Um, that then influence their ability to exercise and we navigate around that as well. So yeah. so there are a lot of considerations before you actually even hit the, the exercise environment yeah. and then, um, you know, I guess I, I jokingly say to all the patients that I see, you've got the rest of your life to get fit. So there's no rush. So, you know, the, as I've highlighted before, any exercise is good exercise, starting off gently, gradually having wins, as I like to say, yeah. and only having forward steps 
feeling better as a consequence will promote them to do it in the long term. And as I keep on echoing today, that is the strongest variable that will achieve health outcomes. Mm. And I think being um, welcoming flexibility, both in medication regimes, you know, maybe some days there is a need to back off the exercise. Um, But, you know, sometimes after, you know, in a setting of a cold or flu, um, you know, we highlight, you know, flu vaccinations are sometimes, you know, good options for some of those uh, individuals as well in, you know, in communication with their, with their GPs or respiratory physicians. Um, all those elements actually play a small part, but collectively play a huge part in their overall wellbeing. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us today, Craig. And I think we all should be more inspired to bring exercise into our life. And it's about not fearing it and getting the right people around us to help us through that journey. And especially if you're suffering a medical condition that you may be um, preventing from bringing it into your life and and fearing it when, in fact, if you get the right support around you, you should be embracing it. It can only benefit you. And, you know, many of the health conditions, uh, typically people will be likened to do less and less activity um, and have a less and less poorer quality of life. And exercise is probably the only thing that will actually turn that around significantly in the long term. Yeah, well, that's great to finish on. Thanks, Craig, for joining us. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please send me an email of any medical topics you would love to learn more about by simply emailing me at danae at meditalk.com.au. Danae, D-A-N-A-E, at meditalk.com.au. Stay well and let's talk soon.